Hey everybody, this is Jeremiah Craig and welcome to the Boots and Ballads podcast. Today we are talking cowboy boots and we are talking about them with a custom cowboy boot maker of Ducks Heritage Leather or Ducks Heritage Cowboy Boots, depending on if you are on Instagram or Facebook be sure to follow them. Yes, I am talking with Dustin Lau, owner and custom cowboy boot maker. This is an awesome interview. He has some great perspectives on business and making cowboy boots for cowboys or for anybody else who wants them. So enjoy my interview with Dustin on this Ask a Bootmaker episode. And remember, you can always call me at 253-254-5898. Leave a message on my Google Voice number, and I may use that message in future videos or podcasts. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremiah Craig coming at you for another session of Ask the Bootmaker. Today, we are talking with Dustin Lau of... Ducks Heritage Cowboy Boots, and here he is. We're bringing in Dustin right now. Let's get right to it. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? It's good. How about you? Spectacular. It's great to see you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Cool. Thanks for joining me today. Let's jump right into the cowboy boot conversation here, and I want to start out with a question from Little Bree on Instagram. Um, because it's like the first question that feels right to start with. Why did you get into boot making, and what's the story behind the Ducks Heritage name? Okay, that's um, it's a very long answer for that question. Uh, the first part, why did I get into it? Um, I'm a fourth-generation leather worker. Uh, my parents, my grandparents, or my gra- grandpa and my great-grandfather were all leather workers. Um Back in the late 80s, early 90s, I wanted to be a saddle maker because at the time I had considered saddle making to be um, the top of the leather game, that you couldn't do any leather craft and get any higher than saddle making. So back in the early 90s, we didn't have the internet. And I think I recall Western Horseman magazine having a little advertisement in the back for saddle making school but we didn't have youtube we didn't have google that you could go check out how to learn how to make saddles um so right after high school i was just trying to find my way um uh, started college went to college a little bit uh leather working was kind of on the back burner for me did you go to college for leather working no, not at all. Just It was just general. In fact, I never finished. But um, one Saturday afternoon, I was at a dice game, and I saw a pair of cowboy boots that were striking. They, they caught my eye, and I asked the man where he, where he bought his boots at, and he said, well, you don't just go buy boots like this. You have to have them made. So at the time, I had never heard of custom cowboy boots. I had been wearing Justin Ropers for years. Back in the 80s, Justin Ropers were extremely popular. Uh, They retailed for like 90 bucks, and you could buy them in like 100 different colors. And that's what I wore. Uh, So I saw these boots, and um, I, I asked him where he had them made at, and he told me, and it was a local man. So the following Monday, 
I went to this man's shop and I ordered a pair. And I, I always remember as a kid um, seeing uh, full quill ostrich boots at different Western stores. And back then they were always so expensive and I always wanted a pair, could never afford them. My parents wouldn't buy them for me. But I think back then I was seeing full quill ostrich boots for 300, 350 bucks. And so I went to this man, this custom maker, and I ordered my first pair. And my first pair were just basic bullhide boots and they cost $450. This was back in the early nineties. So I was, you know, 21, 20, 21 years old. And I thought, wow, I can't believe I'm spending almost $500 for a pair of cowboy boots. Um, but anyway, so to get back to the question, uh, you know, a year later I got the boots and, uh, tried them on. And I told, I told the maker that they were too tight. They were extremely tight and that I thought they were going to be, you know, they were going to cause problems with my feet. So he asked me to wear them for two weeks and to come back to him and he can make a, adjustments to them. So I wore them for two weeks and two weeks to the day I went back to his shop and he, he was in the back work and he came out and he said, okay, you know, what do I need to do with them? And I said, well, I said, you know, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm going to order a second pair and I want you to leave the last exactly how they are. So he knew that was the case. It took two weeks for my feet to get accustomed from wearing Justin Ropers with no arch support and an extremely low heel. Uh, it took two weeks for my feet to get used to a proper fit. And um, once I realized that fit, um, I started thinking about Leathercraft again. And I, I just started losing interest in uh, saddle making. And um, I started really considering custom cowboy boots to be at the top of Leathercraft because I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I bet it's a very high number of saddles being used in horses today don't even fit the horse. Uh, people will stack blankets or pads to make the saddle fit. But if you misfit a customer on a pair of boots, they'll tell you real quick that the boots don't fit. Uh, so um, after I got the second pair, I asked him if he would teach me boot making and he agreed to it. So it started a just a very uh, long friendship and mentorship and he eventually became my best friend. And um, so six years ago, he passed away. He willed me his shop and his knowledge and his customer base. If in agreement, I, I would teach someone one day and pass all that on to them. So that's where I'm at with boot making. The name's uh, Duck, Duck's Heritage. Uh, the gentleman's name was Duck Menzies. And Duck was probably one of the most renowned uh, bootmakers in Texas. So the name just carries on for him. So, And he made your first pair of custom boots ever. Yeah, the first two pair, absolutely. I still wear them, in fact. The first pair was made in 94. The second pair was made in 95. The pair that was made in 95 would wear them quite often. So they're still going strong. I guess I'll be buried in them one day, maybe. That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so do you find, speaking of the fit, do you find that that's a, a common problem when people come to you? 
to get custom boots for the first time is that they think that they might be too tight from say off the shelf boots and how they fit? Oh yeah, absolutely. So first time custom wearers always have to kind of coach them through what to expect. And I've used that same give them two weeks if we need to make adjustments. So most people are used to wearing a, a factory boot that doesn't have an arch support. The arch support on a pair of cowboy boots is everything. Um, you know, I, Jeremiah, I can never claim to be corrective, but I do know that if you support the foot correctly, you take care of knee problems, you take care of sciatic nerve problems, shoulder problems. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions about cowboy boots is that they're uncomfortable and you can only wear them for a few hours. And, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. If you have a proper fit and if you're supporting the arch, you can wear a pair of cowboy boots 24 hours straight with no problems. No doubt. Um, I, I think that's, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is one of the most popular misconceptions too. I mean, just looking on Twitter and searching different comments, uh, people just give up on cowboy boots because they don't feel like they can get the right fit. Um, but it, it's, it's so incredible how comfortable they can be once you do have the right fit. And I, I don't, I've never even had a custom pair. Um, so that's still on my list at some point. But just, just knowing that they can be comfortable is, is everything. Well, you know, if I can interject, you know, I see a lot yeah. of comments on social media, people inquiring about these cushioned insoles. And the reason the cushioned insoles are marketed is to go into boots that don't properly fit to, to provide some sort of comfort. Uh, with a pair of fitted boots, you, you don't need cushioned insoles. You can stand on the hard leather literally all day with no problems. So the, the insoles are made to take up slack in, in a poorly fitted boot, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, it definitely makes them a lot more approachable for people who are coming from the sneaker world and, and just starting to get into cowboy boots. Um, how do you look at the fit of cowboy boots as far as like the sizing is concerned? Because um, we, were, we were talking, I think last week, about um, a 12B or a 10D and those sizes and how they relate to off-the-shelf boots. But from your perspective as a custom boot maker, how does that come across to you? Yeah, so, you know, shelf sizing, be it a, you know, a 12B, a 10C, whatever, that, that, that has no meaning to me. Um, I often get asked, hey, you know, I've got a huge wide foot. Can you make a, a 12 double E? And, and, you know, it, it's very hard to answer that, but I tell the customer, the short answer is yes, I can make them, but I, I have to measure your feet because I have no idea what a 12 double E is. My understanding is different manufacturers have different last and, and it equates to different sizing. So a 12 double E may be different from Justin to Nakona or whatever. So, uh, yeah, the, the shelf sizing absolutely go, go, it, it goes away whenever you get a pair of custom boots. Um, I've got some last for illustration, but uh, the, the first thing that I want to look at is heel measurement when determining a uh, last and, and the heel measurement is may not necessarily mean anything to anyone out there, but uh, I also check from ball to heel and um, you know, there's, there's different ways in which I select a last, but as far as the standard, a standard sizing, it doesn't apply here. 
Interesting. So how does that relate to the size of the last? Like, does the last have a size that you would be using? Yeah. So, so the last manufacturer, they, they actually do put a, they, they actually do put a sizing. This is kind of wore out, but on this one, you can see they actually do size it. This is a seven, seven and a half double A. You can see it's a real long, narrow last, but Again, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I, I do take one measurement in my process that helps me get in the ballpark of the last that I want to use, and and that would be that would, that's the only place it would apply for me. So, but but everything I take uh, nine measurements per foot. So you know, there's other measurements besides just the length and the width that that are for me are more important for the fit. So, what is the most important? Uh, measurement uh, you know uh, the the heel measurement is going to determine how hard or how easy the boot goes on and the end step is going to keep your foot from sliding down and your toes jamming into the uh, the toe box so for me it's a long heel measurement and the end step are the the absolute two most important measurements you can misfit a pair of boots but if you get those two measurements right then the boots are going to fit probably better than what most people buy in the store anyway no doubt. Cool. Uh, so go, going back to you being a custom bootmaker, I'm curious to hear what does being a custom bootmaker mean to you? Um, well, it's, uh, it's probably the most self gratifying thing I've ever done in my life. It's taking a pile of leather and after a 40 or 50 hour process turning it into something that someone can wear something that's better than what's being mass produced that's the big thing about it for me i'm about as niche as a bootmaker as you can get i'm a one-man shop so the whole process from taking the measurements of the foot to handing over a complete boot is only done by me um there's just something really, really magical about that. It's just a very neat feeling. Uh, and then again, also, as I said, knowing that you can do it better than what the, what the factories are doing. Um, you know, you're employing tools that are sometimes 100 years old. You know, I'm using stitchers that are, you know, made in the 30s. So there's some nostalgia behind that also. And when you're holding an antique hammer in your hand and you're, and you're, you know, driving pegs or whatever, you think about the journey that hammer went through, you know, whose hands uh, was it in prior to yours, you know, and, and what kind of footwear did it make? It may not have been cowboy boots. It may have been shoes in Italy or something. And so each tool that's in my shop has, well, I do have some current manufactured sewing machines in here, but the antique tools, they've all gone to a journey to get to me. And the, they're still on their journey because I'll pass them on to someone else one day. So there's a lot of nostalgia in it. It's just a really, again, it's self-gratifying. You know what? I've kind of been a failure at everything in my life. As I said, I didn't finish college, you know, made mistakes along the way. But boot making is something that I can identify with. And something that, and and I'm not saying that I do it well, but you know, again, being able to hand over a pair of boots to someone, you think, wow, you know, I did that, I made that, you know, it's just it feels real good. 
I think you're being overly humble. I mean, your boots look pretty badass to me. I appreciate it. And, and it's a puzzle. When you're doing boots, you're, you're taking the measurements. Uh, you're taking intuition, how you're trying to get the boots to fit. So you're, it's like a, a mystery novel, and you're trying to get to the last page, and you're putting all these pieces together. You're forming opinions how, you know, how the boot's going to fit, what, how you want it to fit. You know, the saying in boot making is not only are you trying to fit their feet, you're trying to fit their, their head also. And what I mean by that is you're trying to fit how, uh, you know, ultimately the customer's always right. So um, you're trying to fit what they think a proper fit is. You know, you can fit a boot perfectly, but if the customer doesn't think it fits, then you, you've misfitted. So unfortunately, so there's a percentage of boots. Sometimes I have to make a small adjustment too, but even if the fit in, in my mind, the fit was perfect. Again, you don't know, you, you don't know what someone feels, you know, they can only describe it to you and you have to assume, you know, to the extreme, I think. Someone says a boot snug on the instep, you know, I always have to ask them, okay, is it snug, is it uncomfortable or is it painful? Because if it's uncomfortable, just wear the damn boot till you break it in. But if it's painful, then, you know, probably there, there has to be an adjustment to it. So here's a good question from uh, Barry Rosensheen. If something's off, how do you fix it? That goes right into the conversation right now. You, you so, for example, if, if someone's pinky toe was rubbing uh, on a pair of boots that I made, uh, if, if I didn't get the width quite right and say the, the pinky toe was being, being pinched, I would take the customer's last and I would add a little bit of leather where they say it's it's causing problems. And I'd put the last back in the boot, wet the boot down and let it sit for a few days. And there'll be a there'll be just enough stretch in that leather where it'll retain a memory of where I've added to the last and that'll fix it typically. Oh, okay. Uh, when making boots, you always if you're if you're going to misfit a pair, or you always want to go snug rather than loose. If you make a boot too loose, you can't shrink it. But if you do make it a little bit too snug, you can adjust out just a little bit. I have seen a, a video on your Instagram though of you effectively shrinking the instep of a boot. Though, what's the process about that? Yeah. So. Uh... <laughs> That was uh, a, 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 friend, a customer of mine in Korea uh, had bought a pair of, uh, he was here in the United States to pick up uh, his boots and he had a pair of secondhand boots that he'd picked up from someone and they were too loose on them. And I'd always heard of uh, a very high, fast, intense heat uh, drawing up the, the grains of the leather and shrinking it. And they were very inexpensive boots. And I told him about it and he was like, hey, let's try it, you know. So I took, um, I don't know what the, maybe it was just the 99% alcohol that you buy at, at the store. And we soaked the boot and I lit it and it, it, it actually, it caught fire. But the, the fast, intense heat did shrink it up and we were able to, it was crazy. I'd never done that before, but we were able to make the boot fit, so... He was very pleased with that. So I don't, wow. you know, I don't mind telling people that. It's like set fire to the boot, you know, hell, it'll shrink it. <laughs> have a bucket of water handy. But that's the only way that you've come across a way to shrink a boot without relasting? 
you know, it relasting, you know, if it's Jeremiah, I don't know, in, in my mind, an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch is a quarter of an inch is a lot. If you make a boot three eighths too big, I feel like you've misfit it. If you make it a quarter of an inch too big, depending on the customer, you know, maybe you can squeeze by an eighth inch. Most people can't notice eighth inch. It, if someone can notice an eighth inch and they need to be the boot maker, not me, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to shrink them. It's, if you've got too much, you probably should do a relast. I don't like wrinkles in boots and in, in the, the foot of boots. I hate seeing wrinkles and it, wrinkles means that there's too much material present or there's not enough foot on the inside. So yeah, it's a sloppy look. It, it definitely does not look as good as it could. Does the popularity, and this comes from Barry Rosenstein, um, does the popularity of brands like Tacovas and Lucases uh, drive customers to you for the custom boot experience? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. That's like, I could talk all afternoon about that. Um, I, I don't say this as a matter of being boastful or bragging. Most custom makers who have have experience doing it can make boots better than anything that's bought in the store to i don't know if this is even legal for me to say you know, i might be getting a lawsuit uh what whatever name brand uh we can simply make them better um i think people are it's kind of a, it's it's a good question it's a complicated question i i think america is going through this uh, handcrafted renaissance. I think people are getting tired of Walmarts. They're getting tired of Target. They're getting tired of big name brands. And um, yeah, you know, I've said this before, you go into any grocery store in Texas and you go back to the beer section, there is a subsection of only uh, micro-brewed beers. And so microbrewed beers are real big right now. It's huge. And I think people have that, and the reason why they're huge, people have that attitude is they're getting sick of Nike and they're getting sick of the big name brands. Uh, custom boots, you know, it means individuality, you know. And so I think uh, people will wear whatever brands they are. So here, here's, here's the whole deal about custom boots. It's all about brand loyalty. And you take a big name and what, whether it's intentional or not, you, you wear a big name uh, uh, boot for a couple of years and you wear them out. And the, the boots are made to be disposable. And a lot of these boots now aren't even repairable. But anyhow, the boots are disposable. So the big brands are, are depending on your brain loyalty to come back and buy the next, the, the next thing that they, that they put out, the next style. Um, I think people are tired of that and you know a, a pair of well-made custom boots will last you know 20 years or better even with hard wear you know and so i think people want to get the bang for their buck and so yeah i am I'm, I'm thankful for these big companies who are putting uh, you know a subpar product out I'm very thankful because people it does drive business to me for sure so is that what your average customer looks like is the person coming from these uh, manufactured brands on a large scale to then 
kind of come towards the custom arena because that's what they need? Jeremiah, it, it's it's all about the fit. And, you know, uh, I don't know what y'all have up there, but down here we have Cavender's Boot City or Boot Barn or whatever. Uh, when you go in and try on a pair of boots, our, our feet are different sizes. E each one of your, you know, there's going to be a, a variance between your two feet. So when you buy a pair of shelf boots, you typically have to make a compromise on the fit somewhere. You, you one foot fits extreme or one boot may fit extremely well. The other one, not so well, but you make a compromise. So my customer base, first of all, I, I don't have an average customer. It's, you know, mostly working class people. Uh, you know, I've done, uh, you know, popular, uh, uh, professional musicians. I've done, you know, bank executives. It's all across the board. Um, I do have a, a customer who has a um, growth on the bottom of her foot. And to be honest with you, she probably can't afford my boots, but my boots are the only thing that she can wear all day. So, you know, that's the, the price the price goes away. The price doesn't matter because now she can wear cowboy boots and she can wear them with no problems. Um, it, it's all about the fit. So, you know, to Covis or whoever, I, I don't know what process they use. Are they, are they doing custom fitted? Because I'm really not sure. No, it's all factory out of Leon. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they, they, they do help me. It's, you know, and, and those companies aren't even my competition. I mean, it's, you know, this is a whole different level. I don't know if there's any other bootmakers watching, but this is a whole different level. It's, you know, it's apples or oranges. There's no comparison. So, and Jeremiah, and here's the deal. 90% of the people can probably go to downtown Austin and buy a pair of Tacovis boots and be fine with them. And, and that's cool. And, but the 10% out there can't wear them. And that's where I come in. I don't want the 90% of business, but I do want the 10% who, who actually need what I'm doing. I've got two types of customers. I've got customers who want boots and customers who need boots. So, you know, customers who want boots is, you know, they've got deep pockets or they want something that no one else has. And I get that. And that's where you see a lot of my inlay work come into. But my boots that don't have a lot of in, inlay work, those are the people who need boots, who are going to depend on those boots, be it working cowboys or veterinary assistants or whatever, who are on their feet all day or in the saddle all day. So, No doubt. That was a great answer. Thank you for that. Uh, so what is your starting price and lead time for a pair of boots? Yeah, so right now uh, my base boot is $1,500. Uh, with $1,500, you get up to 14-inch tops five rows of top stitching, uh, a toe flower and wrinkle, uh, heel and uh, toe of your, of your choosing. Uh, it covers a lot of leather. It covers bull hide, American bison, water buffalo, uh, a few others, pig skin, so. Wow, and how long does it take you to turn around a pair? Um, right now I've got about, well, with this COVID deal, I'm not so sure. Uh, typically I run about a year behind. I have about a 12-month backlog estimate, 11 to 13 months. When I start making a pair of boots, the process lasts anywhere from 40 to 
50, 60 hours, depending on the boot. If it's an existing customer, I've got the last already sized. I can knock the pair out in a 40 hour work week. Uh, if it's a new customer and I have to size the last, you know, some last will take two or three hours to size and I've had some take a 12 hour day to size. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, 40, 40, 60 hours, depending on the boot. But if someone wow. walked in right now and ordered a pair of boots, um, I would quote probably February of uh, 2021 for delivery. But again, as I said, with COVID, and that's a whole other story, the COVID deal is kind of changing that up a little bit. How has COVID affected you as a custom bootmaker? Uh, right now, I've not had, uh, I've taken one order in the past six weeks. So, um, one thing to understand that boots that I'm building right now were boots that were ordered a year ago or roughly a year ago. Um, so I've got work, I'm, I've got income, but I'm not, the, the new business isn't coming in or the return orders aren't coming in. So in, in my way of thinking, every pair of boots that goes out the door to a customer, I need an order to replace that. So if I made 30 pair of boots a year, then I, I need to take 30 orders a year, whatever the number is. If I'm not taking as many or more orders a year than boots going out, then I eventually work myself out of a job. So that's what COVID's done to me. People aren't ordering boots right now, uh, or just very, very few are. I get lots of inquiries right now, but right now people aren't ordering boots. So it's a little bit scary, but I do have work for, you know, if I don't get cancellations, people get scared. It's like, oh gosh, we better cancel our boots. As long as that doesn't happen, I've got solid work for probably eight to 10 months right now, so. So as soon as this uh, whole pandemic ends and goes away, uh, maybe you'll get in more orders than to make up for this time or? I, I think I'll be so busy as soon as this goes away. I, I think it's gonna be wonderful. I think my 12 months, may turn to 24 months i'm very confident in that one of the things i see covid's doing it's you know i i, I hate looking at the negative of anything and, and try to look toward the positive of it is people have downtime or whatever people have to get creative in their ways of and i'm speaking uh, as someone who's self-employed you have to be creative in how you're going to get income coming in. And so what I think this COVID is going to do, and not just boot making and just not leather work, and you can quote me on this later on, it's going to be music, it's going to be the arts. There's going to be a huge renaissance of just new creativity coming out of this. It's going to be amazing what we see a year from now that people are sitting there on their couch eating Cheetos and they have this idea and it's like, wow, let's do this. Let's try this. And then next thing you know, you've got the next big thing. But I think you're going to see a lot of cool custom cowboy boots come out of this. You see a lot of cool everything. It's going to be really cool. It's neat. I think just take it as an opportunity. I mean, I, I really think this COVID is going to be a huge opportunity for a lot of people. I think so too. I, I think too many people are, are living in fear and not seeing the amount of opportunity that we have right now. I mean, the amount of content that uh, I've been producing and the amount of stuff that I've been doing musically has just been uh, triple 
of what I've usually what I've done before it. I mean, even this live stream that we're doing right now, I wouldn't have pursued if this whole COVID thing wasn't um, prohibiting me from going out in the world. So it's there's lots of opportunity. I I I I I'm just trying to take advantage of every single day of this. Uh, to, so then when we get back out in the world, that we're that we're ready for it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Two weeks ago, I did a I did a um, a tutorial on my inlay work uh, on Facebook to supplement the, the the deposit I'm losing from people not coming in, and I'd never done that before, and it and it was it was hugely successful. It was really cool. So, and I'll probably that's cool. Again. Nice. Yeah. But nice. yeah, if you don't if you don't use this opportunity, especially if you know if you're a non-essential worker and you're and you're at home and you know you're just going nuts because you know you've already mowed the yard several times or whatever, you know if if you don't use this opportunity as as a way to start a, a side hustle or to invent something or whatever, then it's 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 going to be a lost opportunity. So yeah, yeah COVID no doubt. sucks, but also in a way, COVID could be very damn cool as far as I, I think for the arts, creativity. I think so too. I think so too. Let's completely shift gears here. I saw a question come through uh, early uh, early on um, about some. Actually, there's a couple of questions in here about toe shapes. Um, this one comes from Brett G. Carter. Uh, why have these obnoxious square toe double stitched boots started to dominate the market? Okay, so this is just a theory of mine about square toes. I, I make a lot of square toe boots. Um, my favorite toe is a traditional box toe. And a box toe makes me think of you know Roy Rogers, or it makes me think of James Dean in the movie Giant. But a box toe is, and I've got an illustration here for you, a box toe is somewhat of a square toe and it's got this angle to it that 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 goes back into it. this is a very 1940s shape it looks very very cool and yeah but it's the construction of it is different from the construction of a square toe so on a box toe and coincidentally this last that i've got here just it actually come out of this boot the insole uh, actually comes up over and makes the the, uh, the the end of the toe. So the end of the toe is part of your insole. And it, it's, you know, it takes a little bit more time to make. There's a different way that you do it. And there's a different way that method that you put your toe box on. And so thinking about a factory setting, uh, you know, it's all about numbers. It's how many boots they can get out. And it's about saving money. So I feel like... Um, Unless it's some of the older factories, maybe in El Paso or Mexico uh, factories, I feel like they don't know how to do a box toe. And uh, and if they do know how to do it, it's not cost prohibitive to them. So they do square toes. Why this wide, flat toe deal caught on, I have no idea. Um I said earlier, the customer's always right. If someone wants me to make it and they're willing to pay for it, I'll make it. The double row stitching is the craziest thing I ever saw. So I do, you know, obviously I do a single row. I can't really see it. I do a single row on my boots. The glues that we use to hold our soles on are very, very strong glue. And I, I feel like 
the glue is so good that I wouldn't have to do any sole stitching and the soles will stay on just fine. Uh, but you know, no bootmaker is not going to stitch your soles. So we, we do single rows. My way of thinking is if you do double row, it's like you're saying, Hmm, well, I don't think my single row is going to be good enough. So let me do a double row to make it better. I feel like it's admitting defeat before you even get started. So <laughs> single row is fine. The double row has no purpose whatsoever. It's just for, uh, for looks. And for some reason, the look caught on, um, you know, it's big with uh, Lucchese and Anderson Beans or whatever, but it's just a fad. And I hope the fad goes away because I think most people, traditional cowboy boot wear, I think about my dad. I think about other old timers. You know, it, it was just a look that they wouldn't they wouldn't have worn. I think what I think is I think a, a narrower box toe is going to start coming back into style. And I think the narrower round toes will come back too. So... Not pointed, but narrower. I think it's a real cool look. It's a look that it's. I, I think I look at some of these these Anderson Beans or Luke Casey's, and um, it makes me think uh, of maybe a Tom and Jerry cartoon or whatever. An Acme safe falls on your foot, and then your foot's all wide and splayed out. That's what I think of when I look at those. I think it's a silly look. No offense to anyone who likes them and who wears them, you know, to each their own. Uh, but from a maker's perspective and trying to keep things as traditional as possible, ugh, that's a fad that I don't want to follow. But I do it because I need a paycheck, so. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, well, let, and let me back up. No, I, I, I do the wide toes. I don't do the double row stitching. My stitcher is a 1938 model. And it's hard, it's hard enough stitching a single row on it than to try to do two. So, no, I stick with just a single row. Speaking of the equipment, uh, got a question from Jennifer York. Uh, what, when making boots, do you have a favorite machine or threader you like using? Yeah, so there's different types of machines that are employed throughout the process. Um, I'm actually sitting at my favorite machine right now is... Uh, I don't know if I can adjust the camera. It's my top stitcher. It's an old antique uh, FAF uh, top stitching machine. Uh, it's the machine that's used to do this decorative stitching uh, and, and to do the, the construction of the boot bottoms to the uppers. Um, there's, you know, my opinion, antique or vintage machines are, are the way to go. You know, things back in the 40s and 50s were made better than they are now. And, you know, everything now is so much plastic is used or, or composites. Although composites are seem to be uh, real good. But, um, uh, again, for me, it just comes back to the nostalgia of it. You know, you're using a sewing machine that's 70 or 80 years old. And to me, that puts character into the boot. It it, 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 it adds a little bit of life to the boot. You know, uh, someone would come in and buy a pair of boots and they, and if they have knowledge that their soles were stitched on with a machine that's nearly a hundred years old, I think that's a little bit of a cool factor to it. I, I do prefer vintage machines over new ones, but I will say though, that the leather machine company Cobra machines are making some real, or they're having machines made that are really good. 
I've got five or six pieces of equipment made by Leather Machine Company. Uh, not any that are really used for boot making except for the top stitcher, but they're all really good machines. Uh, when I do my decorative top stitching, I think the second part of Jennifer's question was uh, I use a number 46 bonded nylon thread, and it's what does the um, you know decorative decorative top stitching top stitching is what we call it. So um, here's a boot that's going together right now. This is a, a inlay, but Love this it. 40 this number 46 is used on this construction. So what I've done with this boot is. I've just laid liners into the into the boots. So the construction of the boot is you make the top first and then you attach um, the vamps, the lining, and then the side welting. And um, so uh, a number 46 nylon does all of this construction. So um, this boot will be side seamed next. And a side seam boot, this being the side seam, uh, it uses a, a much larger thread to hold that seam. So I think the thread size is like a 207 or 277, something like that. So this is a, probably the, or these, these two pair of boots or the next two pair that are coming out of this shop. Um, so this pair will be up to this point this afternoon. And um, this is bull hide, by the way. So looks great looks great now there's a lot of artistry that goes into that do you feel like some of the newer machinery takes some of that artistry out of the work that you do on these boots yeah you know the again it's to me it's about the nostalgia of it it's the cool factor of using a sewing machine you know it's 50 years old as opposed to using when it's current made uh, i i get the you know the inspiration from using the old machines i just think it's it's awesome it's it's just uh, for again for me the antique machines are so much better but uh the only exception you know and and i'm actually i've made boots for the owner of the leather machine company before i, I think they're machines for what they are i think they're wonderful machines the good thing is the current made machines, you know, you can still get parts or a lot of current made machines are clones from uh, vintage machines, but parts are available. There's usually a warranty with the new machines, whereas a secondhand antique machine, you know, there's no warranty and still find parts for them pretty easy, though. Yep. Gotcha. So you were talking bull hide there on that pair of boots that you're working on right now. Do you like to work with bull hide or what are some of the other leathers that you enjoy working with? Um, yeah, so bull, I, most of the boots I make are bull hide. Um, what we call double or shoulder, shrunken shoulder. Um, I think bull hide's just, it's one of the, the better boot leathers out there. You can use it for a work boot and you can put some boot cream on it and wear it to church on Sunday morning. So it, they're wonderful boots. Uh, my, my two pair of boots, uh, 26 and 25 year old boots are both made out of bull hide. In fact, I think I've got five or six pair of bull hide boots in my closet right now. So I, I do like bull hide. Uh, I, I like ostrich, um, 
probably my favorite boot leather is probably kangaroo. I told you this on the phone the other day, but I, I truly think that if, you know, God created an animal only for boot making and, and, and while he's doing all this, this making stuff and thinking, you know, what the cowboy boots are going to be invented and, you know, uh, whenever, and they're just going to need a good leather for that. And I think that's why kangaroos are on this earth is for cowboy boots. I think kangaroo is probably some of the best leather for cowboy boots. It's paper thin and it won't necessarily, depending on what part of the country you're in or what part of work that you're doing. But uh, first of all, a kangaroo makes a wonderful dress boot. Extremely, extremely durable. Has the highest tensile strength of any leather out there. But it's thin, so you wouldn't necessarily wear it in South Texas in the brush or whatever because, you know, mesquite thorns punctured or whatever. But, yeah, kangaroo's wonderful. What does the tensile strength mean? It's like, let's say you have a piece of leather and you put a clamp on it here, a clamp on it here, and you start pulling in opposite directions. Uh, kangaroo's not going to rip very easy. So the tensile strength to me is, you know, if you're pulling it or stretching it, the point before it breaks so uh -huh. and i think kangaroo is superior to elephant uh everyone raves about elephant and how durable it is and while i admit elephant is extremely durable uh, and it's long lasting you hear stories of you know working cowboys that get elephant boots sold you know five or six times or how however long or eventually the liners rot out of them but the vamps are still good um you know, if a customer came in and they were on a budget and they wanted and they wanted a work boot that was going to last, I'll always recommend Bullhide. Um, again, you know, I'm wearing boots that are 25, 26 years old. I mean, uh, just Bullhide is a, a very good leather. So, absolutely. I've made I've made boots. I've made the, a lot of water buffalo boots, and they seem like for a work boot, they're they're holding up pretty well to my customers customers who have them right now so cool love it i love the bull hide as well uh super durable i'm i'm a huge fan uh i i think that i've got a lot of good content here we brought a lot of value so far um, i only got one more question for you it's uh what are you looking forward to in the future as far as uh being a custom boot maker uh for me personally yeah for you yeah, so I, I want to keep pushing the limits of my inlay work. I, you know, the way I was taught to make boots, it was, uh, Duck was real big on inlay. He did a lot of decorative boots, and Duck was real big on the Texas flag. He would put Texas flag on anything and a Texas flag all over the boots. So I'm real big onto that. But uh, to me, it was real eye-catching. Um, First and foremost is always fit. Uh, I've got a few areas of my construction that I, I'd like to tweak, but for the future of me, it, I just want to keep, uh, I want to just keep pushing the envelope as far as what I can do with inlay work. And uh, I, I take a lot of pride in my inlay work, but I think I could go even further with it. And uh, <sighs> Stitch patterns, you know, there's a million of them out there. There's a million patterns that people use and different techniques that they use. And, uh, you know, is there any creativity left in that? You know, I 
I think there is, but when it comes to inlay work, you can inlay anything into a set of boot tops. Um, I'm wanting to, to, to keep working toward that. And, you know, maybe one day some, uh, Tom Cruise or, you know, someone like that will notice my boots and say, wow, I've got to have a pair of those, you know, so, or Elton John or who, who, you know, whoever, but, uh, so yeah, for me, it's, 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 I, I've got to try to be more creative and, and try to, you know, boots are like a house, you know, you buy a brand new house and you go in and the house is beautiful, you know, and, you know, it's got, you know, really neat tile on it or whatever. And, you know, the, the walls are painted a pretty color and you don't see what's behind the sheetrock or you don't see what's underneath the carpet, you know, so you know, the foundation and the framing are the two uh, most important elements of a house. So, you know, when you make a pair of fancy boots, uh, you know, it's all about what's underneath what, what you can, the customer can see, you know, there's certain elements to the boots that you can, that you can do that make it better than your competition or make it better than a store-bought boot. And so uh, one of the things that, that was driven into me very, very early in this, in my apprenticeship was, you know, you can make the prettiest pair of boots in the world. You can have a hundred hours invested just in the boot tops, but if the boots don't fit, you know, then they're, they go in the trash, you know, they're, they're not good for anything or they're not good for anything. So I, you know, I, I'm very confident in my fit. Uh, I think I've got it down pretty good. So for me to answer, to get back to your question, it's about creativity, I think in the future and just trying to do something different or come up with a method that someone hasn't done before, you know, something that's going to catch people's eye, I think. Cool. I'm looking forward to watching you in all your creations. Uh, if somebody wanted to order a pair of boots from you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so it, it's a real cool process. Um, I don't do, you know, mail order uh, measuring or anything like that or Skype measuring. Um, I 100% guarantee the fit of my boots. And in order to do that, I've got to see your feet. So the process that's involved is uh, unless I happen to be traveling in your direction and then come by and measure you, I have to measure in person. So what happens is the customer comes by my location and I measure them and I inspect their feet. I take nine measurements per foot. You know, I check the flexibility of the foot. I look for bunions. I look for veins and I ask a ton of questions, you know, and, and things like that. And as I'm measuring, I form an opinion in my head how I want the boots to fit that person. Um, and then after the measuring process, typically measuring takes anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. And after that, we design the boots. I take the customer back into my workshop and we look at all the leathers and try to get an idea of what they want, what they're going to use the boots for. And again, the customer chooses the toe that they want, the heel that they want. Every little detail in the boot, I'll let the customer pick out. Fortunately, most of my customers tell me, like on the, the, the top stitching, to do whatever I want to, to get creative and do whatever colors I want. I have had some customers that they want every single little detail. The plant, you know, they, they tell me every little thing that the first row of stitching has to be red, the second row has to be orange. The, 
but the third row we need to do that in green you got to make sure that third row is green so some people want to get real involved i found out that most people really enjoy the design process it's like you know you can't go to tecovis and 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 design your boots out or maybe you can to an extent i again i don't know what they do down there but but when you come here it's i think there's just something really magical about you're going to order something that no one else has your pair of boots is going to be one of a kind no one else in the whole world has that pair of boots um and then being able to meet and talk to one-on-one -on -one the person who's going to make them and i so when a customer uh you know can design their own boots you know then they feel like they're part of the process and i think that's one of the the charming things about custom boots is you have control over what the you know i make them and if if someone has an idea that's too goofy or if i think from an artist standpoint it's not going to work i'll tell them you know hey i don't think that's gonna i don't think those two colors go together uh, but the customers have proved me wrong before chocolate brown and burgundy those are two colors i think shouldn't go together and the first customer i had come in and order chocolate brown bottoms with burgundy tops and i told him i said ah, that's not going to work very good and he's like yeah that's really what i want and as I started constructing the boots, I'm like, holy crap, he was right, man. It was knockout. It looked really good. So, you know, I, I try to maintain some control over it, but for for the sake of the customer, because again, it's a cool process. I, I've let them I let them have pretty much the say on it. So awesome. That is so cool. Um thank you so much, Justin, for taking this time with me today. I loved chatting with you and uh, I'm sure that everybody watching uh, enjoyed this conversation as well. So thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, I appreciate it, Jeremiah. I appreciate what you're doing. You're bringing a lot of people to uh, to Cowboy Boots. So uh, if I could just That's say, my goal. whoever's watching, follow my Instagram. It's at Ducks Heritage Leather. And uh, I don't do political or religious stuff on my page. It's all about Cowboy Boots and trying to make people smile. So. Yes, and I definitely get plenty of smiles when I follow your Instagram, so I second that. I vouch for the Instagram. But but the thing is, though, I mean, who wants to be boring? So life's too short to be boring, so. True that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> cool deal. Awesome, Justin. It. Right back at you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You Thanks for watching, everybody. Peace.